that's what Dante the poet is doing throughout the whole work. He's appealing to us to convert, to turn towards God, to find the via dirita, to find that, mm-hmm. that straight path and not yeah. wander off as he did. And it's, it's a spiritual autobiography, so it's about Dante himself, while yeah. it's also about us following behind him. Welcome to the Catholic Theology Show, sponsored by Ave Maria University. I'm your host, Michael Dauphiné, and today I am pleased to be joined with a colleague, Dina Bazile Kelly, a professor of humanities and literature at Ave Maria University. So glad to have you here on the show. Thank you for having me, Michael. It's my pleasure. Excellent. So uh, Dr. Kelly has dedicated, really, you know, her life to studying um, right, Italian literature and especially Dante, right, the great poet in many ways. At least this has definitely been one of um, your lifelong uh, loves, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, it takes a lifetime to study Dante. And I did start in another direction with Renaissance literature and then slowly discovered my, my love of Dante along with developing um, deepening my faith. So yeah, it's wow. a lifelong endeavor for sure, but definitely worth uh, the process from beginning to end. Yeah. That's so but, great. And I was so pleased to see that you'll be, and you have taught and you will be teaching a whole course on Dante for the students of the university, correct? Yes, I do that every other year. We yeah. have a Dante course. Mm-hmm. I've, I've uh, modified it in different ways, but it it's definitely a blessing to be able to offer that in a small university, to have yeah. a freestanding Dante course. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I embed it within a uh, course of medieval literature to expose mm-hmm. the students to other literature as well. But to have that space of a whole semester um, is, is really, a, it's a privilege. Yeah, and, and so one of the things we're excited about today is we're going to offer our listeners and viewers right a sneak peek into your course. Terrific, right? So oh, yeah. and to kind Please. of get to see some of the highlights. Um, I'm I've been blessed to be able to teach uh, Dante as well. Right. Uh, I teach uh, Dante as part of the humanities uh, right. sequence, the humanities seminars, and we actually end uh, the kind of fall semester of the ancients, beginning with you know kind of the ancient Greeks, Homer and Plato and Aristotle. Uh, and going all the way up through Christian revelation and then kind of ending with a read through all three parts, the, the entire divine comedy. Uh, and then in the spring semester, interestingly, we be, begin with um, Milton's Paradise Lost right. as kind of a different, you know, very different story. Right. Uh, but so I've, I've really fallen, I think, kind of back in love with Dante in some ways over the last five years of teaching him again and have seen uh, it's not only that he's right a great poet or that he has a lot of theology or that he's kind of broadly a Thomist or all these different things, but that uh, somehow, right, he helps us, at least for me, what I try to get students to see is that he helps us to see our own lives better. Definitely. Um, and I even love the way, you know, he begins, it's like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, lost and middle-aged in a wood. Right. You know, and, right. and all of us in a way have to wake up and discover that we too were lost in a wood. Right. Right. Uh, and whenever we do that is really the time when our journey, really the spiritual journey can begin. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So all of Inferno really is about that discovery of being, discovering oneself to be lost. First, we have to discover, open our eyes, wake up to, wake up to our own state. And yeah. I mean, we can open up and look at those lines if you want. Yeah, well, I definitely will in a little bit. I just wanted to say too, I think it's so, 
for people that are aware of Dante at all, I think one of the things that sometimes, if they're familiar with Dante, they think of like, oh, Dante has all these uh, teaches that hell has all these horrible tortures. And I think in a way, just the simple way you began with it begins to show that's not that's not quite what Dante's trying to talk about. Dante's trying to help us understand our own situation. Right. Is that we have to recognize we've been lost in a wood. We've been in a way kind of in a hellish state. Right. And right. That yeah. engagement with the reader um, is fundamental. It, it happens from the beginning. Um, we can talk about that. But as far as the punishments go, yeah. and that's the that's the Dante that is come down in popular kind of image and understanding. Abandon all hope, all ye who enter here, <laughs> and all of these tor- all of these tortures. Yes. And isn't Dante cruel in his? You know, yeah. he's he's a he, he's a, a cruel. He's a sadistic and cruel. And when we read it and try to understand his his contrapasso, his allegory, what we see is that the the souls there are living the lives that they have lived on earth, but now they are imaging that life mm-hmm. in their yeah. spectral kind of bodies. Yeah. Um, so it's not so much that, you know, a, a soul that was involved in schism is, is cut in half and he's been, you know, he's been uh, tortured in this way. It's it's an image of the soul, what the soul, how the soul appears now yeah. that it is now and the, the its existence. And and in, they we live in death in the, in, in the inferno. God willing, we don't live there. But in inferno, the souls are living out their, the the image of their lives. And yeah. they have and we do have. You know, Dante's very, uh, in his theology, um, very uh, innovative and and obviously very insightful. And he, I don't know when this theology comes about, this idea that we choose our lives in the afterworld. But he is definitely demonstrating that we choose where we are in the afterworld. And those those souls have made their choice to be there. Yeah. And Dante the Pilgrim, confront, he's just as frightened and alarmed and distraught by what he sees there. And it's and, Dante, and the poet tells us it's the Guerra de la Pieta, it's the War of the Pity. He has pity, and but pity is going to have to die when he gets to, by the time he gets to the bottom of hell. So it's not that Dante is cruel, that he's sadistic, he wants to show it he wants to torture these people put all of his enemies in hell boniface <laughs> yeah. and everyone he didn't like he's going to populate hell with his enemies it's not so much that he, he he i think in some compassion is showing us what the soul the the, the soul manifesting yeah. its being what the person has become their 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 habitus right who they have yeah. become through habit yeah and, and i think in partly that also then allows us He's kind of also drawing upon what really would have simply just been kind of commonplace. Some of them are just commonplace images of hell that would have been in the medieval imagination. But what he does, so he's not trying in a certain sense to show that. He's trying to show in a way what's happening in the person while they're alive. Absolutely. Because if we could actually begin to see what, you know, say you put it, the sin of schism, if that's actually really rendering apart that which ought to be connected right then i have to it's only when i see it imaged in hell in the way he does that then i begin to see what does it mean to give into betrayal what does it mean so he kind of uses hell so that we can see our lives in this world better absolutely we can really see the nature that that sin is destructive of the human person right 
And it's something in a way that we, as you put it, we freely choose to enter into. Right. Right. And and I think, you know, that whole idea, too, that it, so this this sense that later gets, you know, the catechism will talk about the idea that uh, we, you know, we choose hell for ourselves. That right. You kind of already see that in Dante, right? The, in some ways, it's the dignity of choice that the choices we make are real. Right. It's not a toy world. And if we make choices that begin to destroy ourselves, mm-hmm. well, destroyed we will be. Right. Beginning in this world and then in the next. So I think right. anyway, that's such a powerful you know, idea. Yeah. And the souls are, you know, before they cross over into hell proper, crossing the, the, the river of the Acheron, the, the poet tells us that they are impelled to do so. They are desiring to do so. They're eager for the journey, he says. Yeah. And it seems paradoxical. How could they be eager to mm-hmm. enter into hell? But it's it's what they've chosen. It's who they are. Yeah. And then it, it's too late. And that's mm-hmm. that's the hope. Abandon all hope because you have made that choice. And, and there is no hope. There is no hope yeah. um, at that at that point. And yeah. they are they are drawn towards yeah. it. And, and in some ways, the abandoning of hope is not because God is not merciful. The abandoning right. of hope is because I'm making the choice to reject God's mercy. Right. right? I, I love the image of uh, Satan at the bottom of the inferno right, where Satan is in a frozen tundra, right, or a frozen wasteland, knowing things. What, what, why is the image of Satan being frozen somehow important? Because right. people often think of hell as hot, but to right. a certain extent, Dante says that the heart of hell is is ice. Right, right. And I think, um, you know, it's funny, students will, will kind of fundamentally understand that as like the heart is frozen, you know, and they'll, this isn't necessarily Dantean, but I think that's there's a truth there, that there's a frozenness to it. All compassion, all mercy, all concern for others has been frozen within itself yeah. because it's not that it's not there, meant to be there. God created us out of love with love. It's who yeah. we are. And Dante mm-hmm. says we are. Every choice we make, love is the seed of every good and yeah. evil act. Even the evil act started mm-hmm. with love because we are made for love. And so you, you can't make yourself into something else. You can just immobilize or freeze what we are. Yeah. And so so that idea that Satan is 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 immobile. So you can look at it in terms of of, of what's happened to the human person and so you can also look at it in terms of his um his agency, his ability to harm the pilgrim or harm us. And that yeah. of course you probably have taught this when you you know that when the pilgrim reaches the, the pit of hell, we expect and he's he is truly frightened as he's entering. But what he discovers is that there is no need for the person who is not not imbued in sin, not that Dante had, the pilgrim has been completely has been redeemed entirely or is ready ready for heaven at this point, but he has no need that, to be afraid. And yeah. we learn that ultimately the sin is futile. I mean, the the, the evil rather of Satan is a, is a futile. He cannot mm-hmm. impose himself on people who have not chosen this. So he is immobile. And, and in fact, the pilgrim will then instrumentalize him in a way and be able to climb, use the body. Um, so here we have, you know, the, the pit of hell, Satan himself, absolutely powerless to harm the pilgrim. And the pilgrim even uses him, climbs down yeah. his body to get to the center of the earth and pass up to the mountain of purgatory. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't seem to even be aware of it, Satan himself, right? Mm-hmm. So so in this sense, you know, the, the poet is showing us that not only does sin not harm, you know, the person who is right with God, it's for Dante, it, it's, it's an 
the understanding of it is an instrument to help us get closer to God. Yeah, it's almost like sins, when, if, if, if we live in them, they begin to immobilize us to right. freeze our hearts. Right. But when we begin to repent of them with God's grace, they become really a ladder. Exactly. That which we can climb uh, to God. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's fascinating how then you move from the inferno into purgatorio. Right. And, and before, I, I do want to, in a couple minutes, talk about a couple specific instances from each of these. But I want to make sure that I, I think there's a way that the Dante's Inferno is what has kind of, if if is captured the modern imagination. Right. But in some ways, it's really the purgatorio and the paradiso, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that that are really kind of where the where, where the real action begins to happen, <laughs> where the deeper repentance we get closer to God, um, the souls become more joyous, the right. music gets more uh, melodious, right. Uh, right? And you know, it's kind of like often you know most readers, if they've ever read Dante, they've never gotten out of you know hell, right. so to speak. Right. And so I think sometimes these ways that you're describing. Partly what Dante wants to do is give us perspective. Absolutely. And um, right, and the great perspective is that is that the 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 pilgrim things keep getting better. Right. Because it's the pilgrim's journey in which, in a way, he's inviting us as the reader to follow. Right. Right. Uh of course, I mean, but we have to admit that Paradiso is off-putting and it's difficult and honestly in my course we we i touch some of the greatest moments because there's first of all we need yeah. an entire year to get through the whole <laughs> divine comedy <laughs> and you and i can't skip some of these incredible exchanges in 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 inferno and mm-hmm. and even in purgatory to to get to paradiso which is which is a bit off-putting and and difficult to read mm-hmm. um and Don, but dante knows it he admit he's very prescient that way he knew that all of these courses uh, somehow he might have known that all uh, he didn't know that we were going to yeah. teach Dante, but he perhaps had an idea in that he builds this complex world that that has taken us ages to kind of unpack and understand. But he um, he tells us in the beginning of, of Paradiso, you know, you those of you following behind me, you probably remember this, mm-hmm. right? In your Picholetta Barca, you're following behind me in this little boat, uh, you know, across these waters, and maybe you'd better turn back now. So we have already followed him through Inferno Purgatorio. And he's saying, I know some of you are going to stop right here. And I think in a sense, it's okay to stop there. I don't really want to stop there. Yeah, but yeah. Um, that is a little more for the specialists, the theologians. And, mm-hmm. and you know, so in my class, we kind of do the big sort of greatest hits. But you're right. You, what you miss is... You know the the drama. If if Inferno is is the drama of discover of uh, sort of the journey and of discovery of of sin and um, the guerra della della pietà, the 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 war of the pity. You know, and it's a gradual sort of awakening. Uh, you know, in hell, awakening to the sin. When we get to Paradiso, it's it's a gradual kind of cleansing. Uh, the eyes have been cleansed, and now it's 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 preparing for the vision of God. Mm-hmm. So you have this uh, Dante, the pilgrim, is slowly trying to accommodate and strengthen his vision to see the light of God. And so we see it as a series of accommodations and a series of slow, slow, uh, let's say, strengthening of the vision. And he does yeah. it through Beatrice mm-hmm. as his his mediator, and then through various guides and teachers, and you get the three kind of, you know, uh, sort of very uh, sort of doc- scholastic almost, it was almost like university kind of 
quizzes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, towards the end, and then this, and then the final preparation for which Mary must be his his mediator in yeah. in bringing together the human and divine. How how is that possible? And he uses this kind of language of paradox at the end, which we could talk about. But yeah, so I think and Purgatorio is is wonderful to read during Lent. So often we do that. Um, we'll kind of look at it as uh, read read the examples going up the mountain, and you ask yourself, following along with him, just as you do do in, in Inferno. You know which which of these scenes, which of these uh, ledges of the mountain. Mm-hmm kind of engage and move me the most as an individual, right? Mm-hmm. And for some, it's it's pride, that first one, which is so fundamental, that first ledge of pride, and they're holding the boulders. And that it's like pride we are. So so they're on the first ledge of the the, the mountain of, of, of purgatory, purgatory, which is yeah. like a big wedding cake, you yes. can kind of think mm-hmm. of it as, right? So you've got the seven deadly sins, but they're really not sins at this point. They're dispositions, right, that, that lead to sin. So the first... Uh, is 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 pride and you have these figures who are rounding the circle with the boulders on their backs and they're hunched over and they're looking at the ground and they will see the examples of virtue uh and and vice um in uh bas-relief sculptures on the ground almost like a like a sepulcher Mm -hmm. in there and they'll be learning from that and they're 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 suffering in a sense but they are they are content and joyful they they've been saved and they know that um so but this idea of pride as fundamental bottom of the mountain it's going to lead to all of those other dispositions but it's something that weighs us down and if we think of it that way like my pride is in my life, I'm walking through life, and pride is is is, is like a boulder I'm mm-hmm. carrying on my back. So I think that all the way up the mountain, we can we sort of we are encouraged by the poet to reflect on the nature of that disposition and how much we might participate in that yeah. ourselves. No, it's so beautifully put, and I think one of the things too is that if you are say reading this as a person who is attempting to live a Christian life right, right in a uh, in you know in, in a state of grace that in some ways one has turned from the mortals the life of mortal sin God willing mm-hmm. in the inferno and is really living in the purgatory we're living in the life of venial sins the life of trying to uproot these and even that image I love of the idea that it's only in a way when the prideful pilgrims learn, that they actually can't carry the weight of the boulder on their own. Right. Right. It's all like in a certain sense, we we have to surrender the illusion that we can master right. the universe. That's when we can begin to ascend, right? And 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 begin to allow in a way grace to help us. The interesting thing is every time they let go of a P, they begin going faster and faster up Mount Purgatory. Right. Because in a way, it's actually we're we're kind of our natural inclination would be to run to God, to fly to God, right? And it's the sins and defects that hold us back. What holds us back from God? It's like our own pride, right? It's right. just that I think I can get there on my own, and once I give up that illusion, then I realize God will draw me there through my deeper love. So, right, right. I, I love those yeah, images yeah, the way you describe yeah. that. Yeah, pride and looking back as well. We can. Uh, the, the whole of anti-purgatory is for the, the realm of the unrepentant or mm-hmm. the slow repentant or those who maybe died suddenly and quickly and, and did not have time to repent. But there is a slowness there uh, mm-hmm. that is, a, and especially with a couple of exchanges and characters of this kind, you should be 
you should be hastening as the Cato, the infernal uh, guardian says, you should be hastening to farsi belle. These souls should be wanting to make themselves beautiful. And that's exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. As you kind yeah. of sculpt the human person, become this this person that you're yeah. meant to be. Um, but there, the, the bottom of the mountain is a, a place of kind of indolence and kind of slowness. And they have to kind of ignite that. And then as they, you're right, yeah. they want to speed up. Mm -hmm. um, towards when we yeah. get to the top. And, and how interesting. I think a lot of, you know, this is a very, you know, how, how much we have that sense that we've wasted our time. Right. Uh, and that's what I love that, you know, reading uh, the Purgatorio, Dante's kind of saying, he's creating these characters that keep saying like, I've wasted so much time. I'm right. wasting time. I've wasted time. And, and, and in a way you kind of feel like, well, that's what Dante discovered when he finally saw what his life was for. When we finally discover that kind of divine vocation that's been right. revealed to us, right. we have that sense that, I, you know, I, I can't believe I wasted so much time. And, and you kind of have that resolution. Um, it's like, uh, anyway, there's a, a, a saint of the 20th century, San Jose Maria, but he would often say, well, kind of like time is glory. Yes. You know, it's not like, and this is what we have to it's it's every moment that we have yeah. we have in a way to glorify god and to allow god somehow to glorify us right. in a, in a in a small way in this life uh and you know and 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 i just love that image that they're that they, that's what the that's what the souls are trying to kind of like get us to recognize while we're living here on right. this earth is to yes. don't waste our time. Let's right. do beautiful things right. for God today. And that's what Dante, the poet, is doing throughout the whole work. He's appealing to us to convert, to turn towards God, to find the via dirita, to find that, mm -hmm. that straight path and not yeah. wander off as he did. And the vocation is just, is a, I think vocation is a really big part of it that has, has not been, is less discovered, you know, or maybe in certain mm -hmm. ways talked about with the divine economy, but you know, he has to discover who he is. It's, it's a spiritual autobiography. So it's about Dante himself very much yeah. while it's also about us following behind him, trying to mm -hmm. accompany him. And of course he starts, it's about exile. He's in exile. Mm -hmm. And um, the deciding moment of his life is 1302 when he's exiled. And um, he is on, he is visiting um, Rome to try to get Pope Boniface VIII to broker some sort of peace between the factions of the city that are ruling the city. And of course the medieval city-state is you know, well known for this factionalism and this strife and he's trying, but he is a successful politician. He's at the height of his career. He's a prior, one of very few, it's a very prestigious role in the city. He's at the absolute height of his career. And that's when disaster strikes. And um, Boniface is not, according to Dante, dealing equitably between the two factions. He ends up being exiled and he loses everything, mm -hmm. loses everything. Mm -hmm. And writing the Divine Comedy is kind of about finding his vocation again how uh, is he going to rebuild his life mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how is he he's lost his his position his prestige his home um and you know everything he's built up in the city and and he, it's about finding his way finding his life yeah. back but 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 that means finding god but his vocation of course is is that of a poet and he finds that the poetry is what will redeem him and help lead others as well yeah. So it's that it is about vocation, and he mm -hmm. engages us to see how are the the actions of our daily lives, our encounters, how are they leading us to God, yeah. 
or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it it's really is a journey of vision from the darkness and the confusion and chaos of the inferno to the begin the deeper illumination that goes right. through the purgatorio. And then at the beginning of Paradise, Paradise, right, he looks at the sun. Uh, Beatrice looks at the sun, and he, along with Beatrice, then can look right. at the sun. And that's right. only at the beginning of Paradise. So, Paradise, right. you know. So by the end, yeah, they're um, they're eventually, as you put it, with 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 the help of the saints mm-hmm. and the teachings of mm-hmm. the saints, and eventually through uh, Beatrice, but also with Mary, right. Eventually, actually beholds right, really the triune God right. in whose where he says right at the end, it's like at, at the very moment there he saw man's very image right he saw in a way Jesus Christ right, right at the heart and and then I just love right at the very end he just says at this point power failed high fantasy but like a wheel in perfect balance turning I felt my will and desire impelled now the will and desire that impelled us into sin and hell finally yields, and now it is completely at home. So I'm now moved by the love that moves the sun and other stars. This kind of beautiful <laughs> line, the love right. that moves the sun and the stars now has transformed me. And it's that it's that final vision in a way that he wants to also, I think, put before us that makes all those sacrifices in a way worth it when we begin to see really the glory that God wants to show us. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that whole final canto is absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, and how does he get there to Mm -hmm. that? He really wants to lead us with him. And that's why he uses apostrophe throughout, you know, Mm -hmm. which he, he develops in a totally novel way, this direct address of the reader, direct address of char- of characters of the Blessed Virgin Mary and and, mm. and of God at the end. Yeah. So that's something I've written about a little bit is this apostrophe and how do how do you achieve the vision at the end? So that the whole I think you stated it well that the whole of paradise is about this gradual illumination. And when you said that Beatrice in the beginning, he looks at Beatrice, Beatrice looks at the sun. He cannot look at the at the sun. He still can't. He has already cleansed himself in the yeah. in the river of Lethe, and he cannot. He's still not ready. Okay, he needs to go through now an intellectual kind of understanding. I think as well, there will be mm-hmm. bare, this becomes more didactic. Um, uh, but he looks. Beatrice looks at the sun. He can't look at the sun, so he looks at her. And he looks in her eyes, mm. and he sees the light shining. So mm. she is the first mediator. Yeah. And he says in that scene, I was like Glaucus, you know, changed within. I had Glaucus, the the, the uh, mythical figure who has to wants to become a god, a sea god, and he has to eat of the herb of the sea, eats this mm-hmm. sort of seaweed, we might call it, and he ingests it, and he becomes a god, a, a god of the sea, in a sense. And so Dante will use, paradoxically, it seems to many, yeah. but it really mm-hmm. isn't. He'll use all this pagan mythology to kind of, to, to poetically, um, you know, uh, try to explain the unexplainable. And he's so I think what that's about is that you you take in the light of God and you you have to reflect it, you have to internalize it and it changes you. And I think the whole drama now of paradise is him taking in the light and being changed by it. And he needs a series of mediators mm-hmm. to do so. Some are teachers, yeah. some are love mediators, charity mediators, like his beloved uh, Beatrice, who is kind of a sort of a patron saint for him in a way. But then when we get to this final canto um, that you bring up, the final mediator, of course, is the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he turns, 
uh, Saint Bernard, his his Saint Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, his final, um, you know, guide. Um, has to implore Mary to help him to um, to be worthy and to get the grace of God to mm-hmm. achieve this vision. He's still a, uh, he, he's still a, a man. He's still in his body, as he says. I'm not Paolo, non son Paolo, mm-hmm. and he's not Aeneas. And how is he going to be worthy of this vision? He's not worthy of the vision. Yeah. It is a great grace. Um, that put. yeah. So he. I mean, we can. I think you'd be interested yeah. in these lines. I'm sure you've read them and yeah. studied them. But yeah. in the opening of that final canto. Um, how is it going to happen? How is it possible? Mm, yes. Saint Bernard turns the Blessed Virgin Mary and 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 apostrophizes her, sings her this prayer. He says, um, "Virgin Mother, daughter of your Son, Vergine Madre, figli, figlia del tuo figlio, umile alta, più che creatura." Um, and he calls her the figlia del tuo figlio. She's umile and she's alta at the same time. So so a series of paradoxes. She is both humble and exalted. She is both mother and daughter. So it's the language of paradox, right, at the end. The language Mm -hmm. of of antitheses. How is someone, you know, who is still, um, you know, inhuman, imperfect, going to to have the vision and the experience of the divine. It's impossible. Wow. Only yeah. through this paradox, this, this this sort of bridging of the paradox that we mm-hmm. get with the Blessed Virgin Mary, which mm-hmm. of course is taking us to the incarnation, that yeah. ultimate bridging of that paradox. Yeah, right. That's, so, uh, so, so beautifully put. Uh, let's take a quick break. And, and when we get back, let's we'll look at a couple other uh, scenes uh, along the way. Okay, uh, so that sounds so terrific. Much. Sure, thank you. listening to the Catholic Theology Show, presented by Ave Maria University. If you'd like to support our mission, we invite you to prayerfully consider joining our Annunciation Circle, a monthly giving program aimed at supporting our staff, faculty, and Catholic faith formation. You can visit us at AveMaria.edu to learn more. Thank you for your continued support, and now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Catholic Theology Show. Uh, today, we're discussing uh, Dante, a uh, great poet, and especially his divine comedy. And I'm pleased to be joined uh, with Ave Maria colleague, uh, who teaches literature and humanities, and a whole course on Dante, uh, Dr. Adina Bazile Kelly. Uh, so happy to have you here, and so uh, been enjoying our conversation today. Yes, I have been as well, so That's thank great. you. And uh, I just wanted to share, there's a, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a book called Preface to Paradise Lost, which is about Milton's Paradise Lost, very different story. But in there, he makes a comment about Dante that I thought might just be helpful. He says, of course, in some ways, comparing with Dante's Divine Comedy to Milton is um, uh, is what he calls, right, it's, sim- you know, it's misleading, because he says, no doubt Dante is in most respects simply a better poet than Milton. I just love the fact, like, you know, Dante, <laughs> you know, Lewis loves Dante. Um, but he is also doing a different kind of thing. He, this is Dante, is telling the story of a spiritual pilgrimage, how one soul fared in its passage through the universe and how all may fear and hope to fare. Mm. You know, this is, uh, I think, this fundamental idea. It's a story of a spiritual pil- pilgrimage. Uh, and right. he says that, right, uh, Dante's art and Dante's spirituality are drawn together to make the comedy a religious poem. 
a poetical expression of religious experience and really inviting the reader into this pilgrimage, this experience. Right. Uh, and, and I think that uh, reinforces so much of what you've been saying and, and what we've been discussing today. And, and I thought maybe a way, especially for, you know, I, I, I think for probably most of of us, it's probably it was a long time before we actually picked up Dante and, and, and read this work. So let's go, if, if you'd be willing, could you kind of as a master docent or tour guide, uh, lead us through maybe a couple scenes of this great spiritual pilgrimage? Sure. Uh, and so maybe, you know, if you might want to, you know, pick, pick something kind sure. of from the Inferno and then from the Purgatorio and maybe, and just kind of like, how do we like let's let's see what actually Dante the poet is doing through these images and the experience that he is wanting to communicate to us. Right. Okay. Um, I think that passage that you cited brings out really uh, very succinctly some uh, most important um, ideas about the work, um, especially that, that important for the first time you encounter it and the you know emptieth time you, you encounter <laughs> it, which we should encounter it again and again. But the very first lines indicate you know what Lewis was getting at the mm -hmm. and every course on so before getting into a particular passage, yeah, sure. just the opening a little bit it's because wonderful. every yeah. course on Dante begins with the I and the we. You probably begin mm. when you teach, right? So if we look at those very opening lines, so much is densely packed into that. So I'll just read it in the Italian because it's so famous and many know these lines. Um, so in English, right? When I had journeyed half of our, our life's way, I found myself within a shadowed forest for I had lost the path that does not stray. This is the Mandelbaum um, uh, uh, translation. In Italian, nel mezzo del cammin di nostra vita, mi ritrovai per una selva oscura che la diritta via era smarita. Ah, quanto a dir qual era e cosa dura. So it's very difficult to recall that cosa dura. But he, he, he embeds into this beginning what Lewis is talking about, the I and the R. It's, it's, it's his journey to be experienced by the pilgrim. It's very personal to him. But it's also the R, right? The, the O-U-R-R. -R. So nostra vita. Right. It's our journey. He's yeah. saying it's mm -hmm. my life. Io mi ritrovai, and it's our journey together. So he brings us along immediately that it's it's not just about him. It's very personal, but it's also universal. And that is embedded in the entire work. And these opening lines, I mean, we uh, so it's a journey. Um, absolutely. And one of the things that Dante is doing is, you know, it's he's not. He's in the middle of life, so nel mezzo. So he's rewriting epic, of course, in, in media race. Epic begins in the middle, and Dante interprets that more in a biblical sense, the middle of his life, 35 years old, middle of biblical sense of the 70 years of life, uh, Book of Daniel, I think, right? And then also that middleness, right? He's in the middle. Um, he's at the height of his career, and he finds himself in the dark wood, and he finds himself totally lost. And I think that's what we all can kind of relate to a little bit. And maybe even today more than in the Middle Ages, right? We have this idea of the midlife crisis, that we're in the middle mm -hmm. of it. Suddenly, we, and because remember, Dante's at the height of his career when he sets this. He sets it in 1300, not after the exile. Mm -hmm. he, he later on explains the chronology of it. Uh, and, uh, and 
So he's at the height of his career and suddenly he wakes up, starts to wake up and says, where am I? I'm lost. And, and he's assailed by the beasts, by sin, and he's, he finds himself in a dark place. And I think that's something that we all can relate to today, definitely. Finding by the way, I think it's so beautiful you say that, because I think one of the things as teaching students, by the way, one of the things I notice is that you talk about a midlife crisis. I tend to think like people have midlife crises sooner and sooner <laughs> these days. And I think a lot of college Maybe. students discover kind of a midlife crisis right, right. of sorts because they, they all of a sudden the, the the rules of the game that they understood, which is to you know get through school, right. all of a sudden begin to become confused, and and I think that's one of the things. At least I find a lot of you know it's like all of a sudden now it's like how do I like you know how, how do I transition to this new phase when the game that I used to play gets confusing, right? And I think it's also why it's a time of great anxiety, right? Uh, for so many people, a kind of darkness, a kind of confusion, right? Right. Uh, I love the way you put that in terms of exile, because in some ways you can think about like he clearly refers to Boethius's consolation of philosophy, right. and multiple times he talks about fortune, right? Uh, but the beautiful thing is that Boethius is wonderful in times of trying to show the whole consolation of philosophy. I think under the illumination of Christian faith. Um, because ultimately we right, but 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 Dante just goes ahead. I'm going to give you the consolation of everything, philosophy, <laughs> theology. I'm going to be you know we're right. going to do all the, everything. I'm going to get you whatever I can give you. He does. I'm going to take some. I'm going to take. What are the truths that are glimpsed through pagan thought? What are the truths that we conceive via philosophy? And what are the truths that we discover in right Jesus Christ, the Scripture, and the sacrament, and all of that? I'm going to give it all of you to try to give you a sense of consolation, right? You know that that yes, you like I am lost, right? Right. When we discover we are lost, ironically, that's when we can begin to be found, right? And you know the consolations there is a hierarchy to them as well. Yeah. And some, they do have to be gotten over. And I, I'm sorry to say to someone, I know you teach theology, not mm -hmm. philosophy, but people yeah. who teach philosophy want to find all this philosophy in yeah. here. And we do. And certainly we, we you, you love the classics and we, you know, you teach the class, you find that here. Yes. But those are things that do, that will only take us so far. Yeah. Only take us so far. And then Dante shows us we have to move beyond them. Yeah. But right. they yeah. have value for mm -hmm. what they are. Yeah. So there's always that kind of, yes, it works, but you have to get beyond it. Yes, um, yeah. But in this opening lines, yeah, you know, the, the other thing is the, the reawakening to sin because I, th and reawake. Mm, so, so mm -hmm. what he does is from a, a perspective of a literature professor, you know, he takes medieval dream vision where the, the dreamer, dream of the rude, Piers Plowman, dreamer falls asleep. And while he's asleep, he has this, vision it, it, he's transported and has a vision and has a guide yeah. so the medieval reader would kind of okay we're going to hell we're going somewhere this is a vision right but what dante does is he reverses it he says io he says me ritrovai i refound myself so it's like in in the translation is i found myself but that refound mm -hmm. gives you a sense of reawakening and then we can, so in my class, sometimes we'll trace the, the sonno, the sleepiness and the passing out and the sleepiness in these first early cantos uh, as Dante's kind of reawakening. Yeah. And so I'll have my mm -hmm. students read from Ephesians, uh, you know, awake, O sleeper, and, you know, see the light of Christ. And I just say, I will say, look at that line. And then all they look at that and say, yes, that's exactly, this is the way that Christian or Catholic readers 
we're blessed here to have these readers who are biblically uh, astute and have some that they they will recognize things that mm-hmm. other readers might not. We are a yeah. little closer to the work as mm-hmm. believers, I think, mm-hmm. and people who have. So um, that's beautifully put. It's yeah. it, that's what I notice in the class as well. But then see he. He, he's full of sonno, he's full of sleep, and he abandoned the true path, right? Mm, at the point, mm-hmm. hold on, I was, I, he says at line 12, I was yeah. so full of sleep just at that point where I abandoned the true path. So he's reversed the entire dream vision convention where you fall asleep, have the vision. For It's a biblical sleep. Mm-hmm. He has fallen asleep in sin, and now he's waking up. And this is a slow kind of awakening to reality of the way yeah. maybe he's lived his life and the way people he knows mm-hmm. and has interacted with has have lived their lives. So that will kind of give a good preface if we look yeah. at some mm-hmm. um, scenes in particular. That's great. No, thank you so much for doing that. Let's uh, jump to the next one. What would you suggest? So, well, um, you know, the canto that everyone knows, if you know anything about the Divine Comedy beyond the gate, abandon all hope, is, is yeah. canto five, mm-hmm. uh, Francesca da Rimini. So... And, and I think this shows the reawakening of the slow reawakening of the pilgrim. So you see, he kind of models it for us, I think. How do you reawaken? How do you recognize what's mm-hmm. really happening in the world around you? So in Canto 5, we're in the circle of the lustful. So the division of hell, incontinence, violence, and fraud, these three sort of uh, general regions in the taxonomy. And here we have... Um, incontinence. So you're going to have those who are gluttonous, and now we have the lustful, right? And uh, he meets Francesca, the most famous Dantean character. Mm-hmm. So this is really, but it's the top of hell. So it's the, it, in a sense, it's the least grave of the sins, but it's there. And uh, so he, he enters, and it's a place of darkness, and it's a place of sound. And he hears the cries, and he hears this lament that sounds like the chant the chanting of lays, um, he hears the the grew the 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 bird like a bird's chant, and they're like birds being buffeted and thrown around within a storm, una, una tempesta, and and this is of course envisioning in sort of uh, representing lust that pulls and pushes in different directions, and it's not within the control of reason, that sort of thing. So he has, so Francesca is being bounced around with her lover, Paolo, and it's dark, and he announces that this is going to be about music and poetry, because we hear the sounds of the cries, and he's, he's captivated. He wants to know more, and the pilgrim asks Virgil. Virgil says, call out to them. They'll come to you. And he calls out with his affettuoso grido, with this affectionate, loving call. And they respond. Mm-hmm. And they come down. Two come down. Francesca and Paolo come and speak to him. And it's that affettuoso grido, that that loving sound. So we were already introduced that we have these themes of love and song and poetry. And this is going to be kind of the theme of this, right? So Dante, you know, he talks, it's about lust, but it's always about other things um, as well. And so she she comes and she gives three speeches. And the first, she introduces herself. This is at line 88, mm-hmm. where she begins, she introduces herself. And she's heard the loving cry, and she comes and she says, O oh, living being, gracious and benign, who through the darkened air have come to visit our souls that have stained the world. If he who rules the universe were a friend to us, we should pray to him to give you peace. 
whatever pleases you to hear and speak will please us. And she goes on. So she speaks in this sort of courtly language, mm -hmm. this beautiful, lovely, welcoming, um, courteous language, language of poetry and courtesy. And of course, it you know, if we think about it, it's it's a little ridiculous. We should I would pray to God for you if I weren't in hell, yes, right? <laughs> if I yes. weren't in hell, mm -hmm. it sounds so beautiful, yes. but we know it's a futile, empty words, really. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, mm -hmm. And so he he wants to learn more, and she gives her famous triple anaphora, love, and she describes love, 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 love. These the three tourists that begin with love. So the first one, I'll just talk about the first one, I guess. These, these, by the way, are so beautiful, and it's so much the, this is kind of like the, you know, the beginning in the Middle Ages, and probably throughout time, and certainly in our day, where we think of kind of like love as this kind of passion that excuses everything. Right, right. And um, we don't, in a way, see, right, that love is, right, love is love is really of the will, yes. not of the passions, but, but this kind of glorification of romantic love. I just think exactly. you're right in here. And, and one thing I always like to remind people, too, is that if you're in the ocean, it really doesn't matter how far under the surface you are. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You might be at the highest point <laughs> under the ocean, right. but you're drowning. Right, right. And so that's the point is these, you know, like we gotta remember is that all of these are ways in which we somehow drown, not in the ocean, but we drown in ourselves. Right. Like that's in a way, I think what Dante wants to do. And so I, right. I, I think- And I, the I, most, I, and the most yeah. dangerous yeah. waters are the waters that are appealing to us yes. that have mm -hmm. a veneer of beauty and goodness and yeah. of course as i said before love is the the the, the seed of all yeah. good and evil yeah. so love brings us home it brings yeah. us there but it can also lead us astray so please please so, read more but i just okay. love that the way you, you went right to that point right so that first line love well love that can quickly seize the gentle heart took hold of him because of the fair body taken from me how that was done still wounds me and she goes on so it's if we read it closely students are quite able to see that this is about bodies and it's about mm -hmm. uh beauty uh surface beauty and and love that seizes that it's a it's love is an exterior force mm -hmm. according to francesca yeah. it's gonna seize you it's gonna take you and you really don't have much choice in the whole matter right yeah. this is her kind of poetic credo. But the important thing I wanted to point out here is that yeah. she's using Dante's own words here. If you look at your footnote, it will go to Guido Guinizelli, the poem, a poem he wrote that Dante responds to in his Vita Nuova. Um, Amor e il cor gentil son una cosa, he says, love and the, and the noble heart are one. He wants to have this discussion, poetic discussion about really about the genesis of love. Where does it start? This, 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 prompting towards love of, a, of another, his yeah. love of Beatrice. How does it all begin? Mm -hmm. So what she's doing here is citing his own love poetry. Yeah. She's engaging in his own language. And what we see when we talked about, you talked about that you have to ex the experience, like Lewis says, you experience, you know, it's an experience. This And this is Dante experiencing mm -hmm. his life where things may have gone wrong and, and what what's maybe what his work itself could possibly lead to and confronting the reality of his life because she go, he, he asks her then you know francesca 
Your, your afflictions move me to tears of sorrow, of pity. The tell me in the time of gentle sighs, you know, tell me about your love. Dolci pensieri, you know, and, and it's, he's speaking the language of love to her, his old yeah. love poetry. Mm -hmm. And he's engaging her on the level of his yeah. early youthful love poetry. And she, she responds in kind, you know, and then she says, um, well, let me tell you. You want to know the root of it? Let me tell you. And then she goes into the famous part in the end. Mm -hmm. It's about the eyes and the mouth. We were reading. She blames the book famously. <laughs> if, if you know anything about the Divine Comedy, you might know that Francesca blames the book. Yeah. She's blaming medieval romance. Mm -hmm. I read about Guinevere, mm -hmm. and we read about this great love. And the moment when their lips kissed, that's when we we broke down and couldn't control ourselves. And this yeah. is, of course, is an adulterous uh, relationship yeah. with her brother-in-law. So she blames the book, okay? That's one level of reading it. But the other level is, this is how Dante embeds in these discord. You have to read them so carefully because on a certain level, he seems to be showing us a heroine of love. And, that, and many people in the past have mm -hmm. read it that way. But when we dig, we can find many different levels to read it at. But one of the levels is his personal level, his own love poetry. Um, she is engaging him on that. And I've written about this. Uh, um, this She follows kind of his lead, his format in the Vita Nuova. Then when he says Beatrice's smile, the beloved smile, the beloved's yeah. eyes leave him. So mm -hmm. she's invoking his poetry, the eyes mm -hmm. and the mouth but they're not leading to a philosophical, spiritual love. And in Dante's poem, they, they lead to eventually to uh, sort of an internal um, sort of discernment. It's, it's conversional, really. He sees Beatrice and he really she's a, being a beauty and virtue and he realizes his own faults. So yeah, but yeah. she's in that sense of being a beauty and a virtue. Right. right. It's ultimately uh, the inner form is right. what's most beautiful. Right. Uh, and in a way we that to truly love, I see the body, right, which may be fair. Right. And it becomes love properly when I love the person. Right. And um, but it's right. It's right. And, and, and it's course so it's easy love. in a way to stay right at the body. Right. And it's and, love poetry. So mm -hmm. sometimes and yeah. he's aware of that and yeah. he'll fall yeah. into back mm -hmm. into that. But here she makes it very clear. You know, so do you see in the beginning, yeah. he's very taken in by mm -hmm. her and he's speaking the language of love poetry with her. At the end, she says, okay, you want to talk about love? Let's talk. It was the smile. It was the mouth. And this led us to that pass, mm -hmm. that agonizing pass. And, and then she says at 138, that day, well, a, a Gallaho indeed, the book and he who wrote it. The author and the book are the middleman. They are responsible yeah. for this. And that day, we read no more. They drop the book yeah. and they start their affair. And yeah. so now, and the very end, right, what happens? This is a famous line I love mm -hmm. to read to my students, mm -hmm. 142. What happens to Dante at the end? Io cadi come corpo morto cade. Fall, those hard, guttural hard sounds, not the sound of love poetry, right? Mm -hmm. I fell down as a dead body falls, yeah. right? So at the end, he it has been a, a, a realization, a reawakening that his Steel Novistic, his early love poetry from the, the book called The Vita Nuova, The mm -hmm. New Life, may have been good and beautiful in many ways, but might it have been misleading and might it have been not leading to the via dirita, not to the straight path of life. It's not that he condemns all love poetry, that it's mm -hmm. terrible, but he's going to have a hard look at his own love poetry here and say, yeah. maybe I could have been doing something better with mm -hmm. this. And it, and so it leads to that kind of, 
you know, and you say it, it involves the the noi, the the nostra vita. Mm-hmm. All of us are involved. So I think he does invite us to yeah. kind of contemplate how are the good things I'm doing that are good might not be as good as I think. And mm-hmm. and and to be careful and scrutinize, am I, could I be possibly leading anyone astray? And especially, of course, he's speaking to artists, poets, yeah. content mm-hmm. makers, we would call them, you know, and it's yeah. something I put out there. I, I think he's saying you have to be careful. I don't think he's a banned book kind of a guy. It has to all, you know, mm-hmm. don't burn my books, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. That's so beautifully put. And uh, I love one, the idea that, you know, in a certain sense, she's re, uh, you know, the character's reliving in a way what, say, Adam and Eve do. They don't take responsibility for right. their sin right. and they blame it on something else. And as long as we're blaming our sin on someone else, we're in the sin. We can't get out of the sin because only we can get out of the sin is actually by, of course, by repenting. And yes. so, and, and in a way, what he shows is that more than, so to speak, mere love poetry and, and you know, this that, that there's something in a way that has to die. Right. There's, and, and so it's interesting when he falls down dead at the end, I think it's like it's the beginning of something like true love actually is right. sacrifice. Love is not merely the sensual or even sentimental engagement with the other's body mere you know like there's all sorts of ways in which we do harm to ourselves and to many other people right in this mode and so in a certain sense something has to die right uh for true love in a way to be born i just i love that scene you know I think that just uh, since I think we're about running out of time for today, but I think, you know, what a beautiful introduction. And I'd really, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a chance to have you uh, back on the show when we can uh, dive a little bit more into uh, Dante's. Right. Yeah, know, absolutely. Uh, I'd love Divine to. Comedy. I just wanted to kind of ask you three questions sure. uh, when we end. Uh, so just first, what's a book you've been reading? Right now, yeah. well, I mean, I've, I'm I'm teaching a course in which I've, I'm reading things that I had not read at least, or maybe not since I was. T- I'm reading Frankenstein for my oh, okay. my. But the, so yeah. this is my kind of so Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and yeah, um, yeah and those themes of sort of creation, uh, mm-hmm. what we create and put out in the world. This is uh, this is another uh, theme in that work, but more in the post-Enlightenment kind of sense of, you know, and Dantean sense, yeah. really, of can we, following our own curiosity, reason, desire, um, create something that may be harmful? And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think Mary mm-hmm. Shelley is really invoking, um, you know, Dante. She, I think she has Dante in mind, possibly. So yeah. that was yeah. something I'm reading oh, for. That's great. It's hard. In the summer, you can ask me what I'm reading hey. for pleasure. This is, but I, I'm That's enjoying kind of, it yeah, immensely. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I sometimes feel like I have, I have one of some of the best jobs because um, when you know, uh, for my work, I have to read great, books. Right, exactly. I have to read wonderful <laughs> books that either I've read and I get to read again, or I should have read or should have understood better and I get to read again and, right. and each. So it's it's such a gift. What's a what's a, you know out of just you know out of many many practices maybe that you do. What's one practice? that you try to do on a daily basis that helps you, you know, find meaning and purpose and kind of move on this journey of the straight path? Sure. Um, well, I mean, prayer, of course, and reading the Bible. And it was funny just this when and, and to, to be really blessed to be able to teach Dante's divine comedy, you know, is, is, 
has enriched my life, you know, in many ways. But also as I read the Bible, I always, it always brings me back to Dante. Mm -hmm. And I have to thank Dante for embedding so much scripture Mm -hmm. in. And as a matter of fact, this morning, I just opened up my Bible and it was interesting. I opened to Sirach. Let me see if I, I thought I made a note of it here. Um, So this um, Sirach chapter 17, Mm -hmm. an appeal for a return to God. And he starts, but to the penitent, he provides a way back, encourages those who are losing hope. Turn back to the Lord. Give up your sins. Um, and then the dead can no more give praise than those who have never lived. Those who are alive well will glorify the Lord. And I think that Dante is saying that to us. Live, yeah. glorify the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's giving us this moment. It's not that he's cruel to these these souls in hell. He's, he's, he's writing it for us, to appeal to yes. us, to mm-hmm. prayer. So I think that any work that, that enriches your prayer life and your reading of scripture is, you know, bringing you on the Via Dedita without a doubt. So that's, that's what I'm trying to. That's beautiful. And just a last question. Uh, this is a theology podcast, so we do try to think <laughs> about how ideas about God matter. So is there is there some maybe false idea or false belief you held about God at some point in your life that you kind of, that you remember discovering a deeper truth and, and how that was helpful? Well, you know, false about God. I mean, I, I could try to bring it back to Dante, but also mm. just that, I mean, I think divine mercy that I, mm-hmm. this is that we are, that we, I think that we all can discover a moment. I think I'm a great person. I think I'm doing wonderfully. I don't think I am that person. And unfortunately, I think most of us will have a moment when we trip up and say, wow, I have been a person who needs God's mercy. And, mm-hmm. and the wonderful part of that is, especially through Divine Mercy Sunday, Divine, is that that's when you grow the closest to God. Yeah. You know, that's when, mm-hmm. and I think that's what Dante wants to show us as well, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that what, you, what, you, what all of us might think that's wrong about God is that he's not always reaching out to us, always, you know, beckoning. And that's what Dante, God speaks to us. He's just waiting for us to reply to him. So I think at times of fear, we might think, well, you know, I, I'm not worthy of replying, mm-hmm. but he's still, he's still speaking to us. Yeah. Oh, how beautifully put. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Kelly. Thank uh, you. For uh, really helping us just kind of dive into Dante today and, and what a gift. So thank you so much for your time and thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. If you like this episode, please rate and review it on your favorite podcast app to help others find the show. And if you want to take the next step, please consider joining our Annunciation Circle so we can continue to bring you more free content. We'll see you next time on the Catholic Theology Show.